The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will triumph in the works of your name. are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house. And anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsofLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning, and if you would like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com. Top of the page there, Bradley's show from yesterday afternoon is on the left side, uh, the live version of where we are in the morning right now is on the right side so be sure to uh, click on that blow it up on whatever device you've got and then at the bottom right you'll see it says rumble join us in the chat there we've got friends there we've got friends on other video platforms before it's news.com top of the page dlive.tv at the sons of liberty 
or on Twitch setting brush fires, and also on Roku, if you've got a Roku device on Cutting Edge TV. We thank you guys for putting us out there on those. And there's somebody else who's got us on a TV station. I don't know what it is, but uh, they called and asked for some settings or something. So we've sent that out as well. And uh, also uh, on my personal Facebook and my, my public Facebook page, we're, we're streaming over there as well. So good to see all of you guys this morning. And by the way, thank you for the birthday wishes yesterday. It was great. Um, and my wife was kind to make a very nice steak. It was one of those, you know, almost like Kate talks about a half a cow on the plate, it, which I don't usually do, uh, and a salad. And it was it was just wonderful. It was it was great. And so, but thank you for the birthday wishes. I appreciate that very much. Now, SonsOfLibertyMedia dot com. You can also scroll down just a little bit. You'll find out where you can sign up for our newsletter. Please be sure to sign up for that. You'll get that one. Uh, email a day. If you want our weekly one from the radio station, tell us about what we what we've done in the ministry that week. Go to Sons of Liberty Radio, sign up right there on the page, and you'll get that once a week. Usually, that goes out on Saturday. You'll get uh, Bradley's. You'll get the update for what we've done during the week. You'll get Bradley's article for the week that he's he's picked out among the things that he's written, and then also you'll get the special that we're going to have. Uh, during the week as well. This week we're highlighting the uh, the dog tags right um, here. So through Saturday night at midnight, if you want the Sons of Liberty dog tags, now some of you haven't seen them. I've got some hanging here with my dad's dog tags, uh, but they got First John three eighteen. They come in silver and black, and then they have the uh, the Sons of Liberty deal as well. Okay, so they're sil- they have a silver and a, b- and a black there so you can pick those up and I'm bumping everything around here uh, with the promo code love at checkout you can get the 10% off of those get as many as you want uh, get them and share them with your friends um, everything that you need to do there also <clears throat> I want to bring to your attention a couple of things that we have at sonsoflibertymedia.com uh, specifically a couple of stories that are out the official public health data now this is out of Scotland Strong evidence fully vaccinated, quote-unquote. The, the, the shot with the poison is what it is. It's not a vaccine. All right. Um, now suffering antibody-dependent enhancement or AIDS or worse, both of them. Both of them. We also have at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com a father whose doctor said the vaccine, quote-unquote, could kill him, denied life-saving care for not taking COVID experimental jab. Then we also have authoritarian madness. This is the latest from John Whitehead. The slippery slope from lockdowns to concentration camps. And you see it happening in other parts of the world. You see it being established here in the States. We had, again, Representative Matthew Shea, uh, your former rep, Matthew Shea, out in uh, Washington State, when he broke that story of how they were setting up little COVID camps out there, what, a year or so ago in the state of Washington. And they're doing it all around us. So... We have to be aware of what the enemy's doing so we can fight back against it. Um, and then Dr. Jerry Newcomb had this out yesterday, the pro-life Bible versus pro-choice Christians. That's always a, a strange thing to me. Uh, the Bible's pretty clear, you shall not kill. But I also understand that people come from different worldviews when they come to Christ, and so they have to learn these things. And so there are some people who are immature in the faith, and I think probably they're genuine believers, but they've got to be directed in that. But then I think the large majority of people who are, quote-unquote, pro-choice to murder their baby, that's what that is, and call themselves Christians are just hypocritical. 
um, and and I think many of them are not believers. They've had many time, uh, many years to be in the faith, and they have not matured in that at all. They remain uh, ignorant of these things, along with many other things. But anyway, if you want to check that out, it's at sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then finally, a former New York Times journalist has said COVID tyranny will be remembered as a, quote, catastrophic moral crime. Yeah, so will some of the mockingbird junk that the New York Times puts out, too. It's a moral crime, too. So in any case, you guys be sure to check that out, and um, that's at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Now, this morning, we're having back with us another guest that we've had on before. Uh, Before he was running for U.S. Senate here in the state of South Carolina against the treasonous Lindsey Graham. And Lindsey Graham is a traitor. There's... You know, the other, remember the the other year when he was trying to, it was almost like it was acting. It didn't even seem genuine. And I said at the time when he tried to take that stand for Trump, um, it, it was like, it was, I don't know how to say it. it. It looked fake to me. And everybody said, oh, Lindsey Graham said, this guy has a terrible freedom index rating. I mean, it wasn't even passing as far as his votes congressionally. He armed our sworn enemies with John McCain. Both of them were, were traitors. John McCain was a traitor. Let's not hold him up as some kind of hero because he wasn't. Neither was neither is Lindsey Graham. Neither is the bulk of Republicans who are in D.C. and virtually all of the, the, the Democrats, okay? So the two-party system is not – we have one constitution. It's one law. We ought to be one people under the law, not divided into parties, which John Adams says was a great evil, Second president of the United States is a great evil that he perceived would come, and uh, and that's part of our pro- our problem here in the state. Now, Michael Lapierre was on the show with me previously, and we talked about that um, when he was running against Graham. Now, obviously, they don't want to give people like Michael a voice to speak out something different than the propaganda of the Republican Party. But uh, Michael has took a step back, and he is now running for. What was Trey Gowdy's uh, seat? They're in District 4, down here in Spartanburg, Columbia area. And uh, <clears throat> um, he is running for the U.S. House of Representatives, excuse me, Greenville and Spartanburg. I'm sorry, not Columbia, uh, against William Timmons. Now, let me show you this guy. Okay, Again, this comes from the Freedom Index. William Timmons, he's only been in there like a year, and he's got a score of 77. That's barely passing, Right. Like, if you're in school, isn't like 70? Or have they common core it so much that it's down like 40 or something? I don't know. Maybe 77 looks good in the common core thing. But he's got a score of 77, which mean, which tells me he doesn't know his Constitution. Okay? when God, And, and i got to tell you, when you go through here and you look at the Republicans, many of them are just as bad, if not worse, than Democrats in their score. And I think the Freedom Index from New American is the quintessential... Um, system by which you should judge how somebody's voting. And the reason I say that is they are they are pretty strict in their constitutional approach as to votes that are given. And so with that said, if you want to find out about um, your your representative, whether they're a senator or a house uh, or a house representative, go to the new the newamerican.com forward slash freedom dash index and you can put in their name. It will tell you what their score is, and then you can click on them, and you can see all their votes, whether they were constitutional or not constitutional. It's way better than what Levin's got, that conservative thing. They, they kind of fudge stuff, okay, because 
basically they're neocons. They're not constitutionalists, and so it becomes a little bit of a problem. In any case, <laughs> with that said, uh, our guest this morning is Michael LaPierre. He's running for U.S. Uh, House of Representatives in District 4. He also, and I'm, I'm happy to move some of my screens around here, to read some of the, the stuff that I have. Uh, he's, a, he's a well-Republican candidate uh, whose resume speaks to leadership, extensive education, and practical executive work-related experiences. He has a resume that uh, frightens his opponents, and I'm sure nobody wants to hear from a, a real Christian man. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear the, uh, the, the, the pseudo-Christian. We can give lip service to God, but our hearts are far from him. Um, one of the things that I just, let me just put it this way. There's all kinds of stuff I can read, like he was the director of a Fortune 50 organization um, and all kinds of other stuff that he's done, Fortune 500, uh, vice president of sales there. But the thing that I want to really get to today that will tie in all this is he is the founder and president of Christian Leadership Worldview International, which has afforded him the opportunity to preach and teach around the globe on leadership standards. He also has the privilege to serve as a servant deacon at uh, several churches that he's been involved in uh, down through the years. And he's been married to his wife for 37 years. That'll tell you something right there. This is what I'm talking about, about character counts. It matters. Okay? Uh, and they have three adult children and four grandchildren. It's my privilege to welcome back to the Sons of Liberty, Michael LaPierre. Good morning, man. Oh, good to be with you, Tim. Thank you. Top of the day, top of the morning. Yeah, great to see you too. And you know, Michael, right off the bat, one of the things, and we're going to talk about character here, because I think, you know, you can list all this other stuff, and it's great that you've done that. But the Bible, and we're going to go to that in just a minute, the Bible says if a man can't deal with his own house, if he can't manage his own house, how's he going to manage the people of God? And it's talking about in the church. And then I think I don't think God teaches us things as we go along. We govern ourselves, we govern our families, we govern in the church, and then he, and then when we get to the civil sphere, we just say, "Oh, do we just chuck that stuff?" It doesn't matter if you can govern yourself. It doesn't matter if you've had three or four wives. It doesn't matter how many adulteries you've had. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, uh, whether you're 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 drunk every day or not, or whatever the case may be. As long as you maybe you you were in a Fortune 500 company or a or Fortune 50 or whatever, that that's what we're really after. And to me, that's a very Marxist approach rather than dealing with the law of God and the character of man and things. So we'll get to that in a minute. But one of the things that's that's out in the news today, and this is just for uh, South Carolina. I know that you're running for um, you know a DC spot, which oh my goodness, I just. Apart, I'm a good old Southern boy, and as such, I'm just at the point where I'm saying D.C. is so corrupt, we just need to get away from it and secede from it. Again, that's me, because I don't think there's really going to be a big fix because the whole system's corrupt up there, and we got enough stuff to deal with in our state. But this is out of South Carolina. This is a proposed piece of legislation um, that would make it a crime to even ask about vaccine status. Now, I am very much opposed to businesses get involved in people's healthcare matters, except where it affects them. Say like a woman, you know, if you're a woman, you obviously, and you're married and you're going to get pregnant, that's going to affect the business. That would be something the business needs to know. And most businesses don't turn away women because they might get pregnant or because they are. They don't do that. I have a problem with people using free speech to say, what's your vaccine status? You can tell them it's none of your business. I don't need a law to say it's wrong for you to exercise free speech to do that, even though I'm against them 
you know, taking your job for a vaccine status. What do you make out of this law? Because to me, this kind of smacks of this junk that South Carolina pulled when they went after the the people trying to um, uh, boycott Israel and making it a crime to do so. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What are you doing? We have free speech. We have a right to protest. We have a right to speak out against these things. What are you doing making it a crime? What do you what do you make out of this this bill that's come up uh, down here in South Carolina? Yeah, Jim, first and foremost, any bill that mandates our conformity, uh, right, uh, you know, it is just wrong. Um, we got to make sure that we are free. We're, we're, we're American citizens. And as because of that, you know, we, we have our unalienable rights uh, before God and and, and, and that's you know where I rest my entire political being, right? My democratic soul, as it were. Um, and, and so I don't want to be forced by the government uh, to, to do anything. Uh, you know, we, we cede uh, an element uh, of, of, our, of our rights uh, when, we, when we establish government, right? We, we, we allow the police officers or we, we allow representatives to take care of us. Um, and, and so there's a small element where, where we cede some of our, our rights. But uh, I'll tell you what, what Joe Biden has done is un-American, it's unconstitutional, and, and it's just, you know, quite frankly, it's not biblical. Uh, so, you know, we've got to take our country back. We've got to reclaim America without fear. Um, what is going on right now, Tim, uh, is nothing more than a Marxist socialist play. It's anti-God. And, and I just... Uh, a few months back, I, I released a book uh, called The Elephant Brief, right? It, it's, it talks about the pervasive nature of government. It talks about the pervasive nature of secular humanism. It was my sixth book. And so what I did is I took uh, centuries of Supreme Court data, and I used you know, decisions coming from the Supreme Court to justify my premise. And the premise is this. We have a secular humanist religion dominating our government. In, in our First Amendment, it tells us real, real clearly, doesn't it? It says, we should not establish a national religion and show partiality of, over one, one religion over another but we are to freely exercise our religious beliefs. Well, what the people, what the American people do not know, and this is this ties right in, you know, to these these vaccine mandates and these mask mandates, is what the American people, a lot of them do not know, is that the Supreme Court, under the free exercise clause, has deemed secular humanism, a bona fide religion. Yep, they, they, get tax, they get tax-exempt status. They get conscientious objector status. And so under the free exercise clause, we have a religion in our government. It's an anti-God, an anti-traditional religion. 
you know, like you and I, it's, a, it's about Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, so when you dig into that, you think, well, wait a minute now. So the Supreme Court has made a ruling that secularism is a, is a bona fide religion. Let's go to the tenets of their religion in the Secular Humanist Manifestos 1, 2, and 3. What, what do the, the beliefs of that religion that's running our country right now, what does it say? Evolutionism, secu- uh, uh, a love of nature, relativism, atheism, all of the things that are at odds with the spirit of God. And for me, when I read my constitution, I, you know, I, and I read what the secularist religions stand for and how that is just really invaded our public schools. It's invaded our government. It's not a biblical worldview, the vision uh, that that many of our founding fathers had, the principles of Christianity just, you know, 250 years ago, just overlaid our government. The Bible, in my mind, was front and center 250 years ago. Yep. It, it impacted you know, the, the ecclesiastical side, you know, the church leadership and the, and the church members and the Bible impacted the national, the state and the local communities on the political side. But today what we've done, and, and this, this ties it all in, Tim, is that we've taken secular humanism now drives the political side. It drives the government. It drives the local precincts. It drives the state. And we've, we've, in a sense, taken the word of God and put it on a shelf. Yes, the, you know, there's still churches out there where the word of God means something. But you and I know there are not that many. And so yep. it really comes back full circle to the question, does, the, does a, a government, a, you know, a tyrannical government get to force us uh, to, to take vaccines the answer is no. Does a, a tyrannical government, should they force us to, to, to put the masks on? And the answer is no. That's not the constitution that I read. Uh, we are a free people. We are given unalienable rights to make decisions. And, and, and that's my position. And, uh, you know, I am well studied on this issue. Uh, I've written six books. And, uh, and and God has has really just blessed me in in, in the the political and the spiritual understanding, right? So so no, we do not want to establish a national religion like the Anglican Church, you know, of, of yesteryear. You know, we we fought against you know many aspects of that. However, we do want the principles of Christianity just to really to grip us and to drive us and because it helps uh, government uh, and Christianity uh, can work hand in hand. Now, and hold on to your shorts, limited, limited, limited government and Christianity can work in tandem because Christianity, as you know, helps tamp down the baser instincts of mankind. It helps us, you know, uh, it, the spirit of God, you know, helps us uh, keep, you know, 
the 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 immoderation, if I could say it that way, of human beings under control. And the Federalist Papers, you know, they understood that. The people, you know, Alexander, you know, the Hamilton and John Jay and and you know, they all understood the 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 depravity of mankind. And that's that's how our government, you know, was formed. The the balance of power, you know, churches were were there to help tamp down the excesses of human nature. And, uh, and, and right now, uh, it, it, it's just preposterous. It's tyrannical because right now it's a relativistic, anything goes, uh, it, you know, rights, rights, rights. Everyone's got a, a, a right to, in the extreme. And, uh, and we've got to be very careful about that. Yeah, Michael, you know, when you, there's several things that you're talking about. The right to extreme, I, you know, I don't even think it's a rights to extreme. The rights is to do the right thing under the law because it's our duty before God. And so, therefore, we say, government, you can't touch these rights or these authorities that God has given to us as people, as individuals, to do our duties that you've commanded us to do. And so, you know, when we get to things like uh, free speech or the exercise of religion or whatever the case may be, uh, and I don't even really like the term there of religion because, you know, we're not, we're not a society— that's going to force people into Christianity. That's not what it is, but it is that Christianity, the understanding of God's law and the understanding of the gospel and the lawgiver, the Lord Jesus Christ, and how he is the Savior of all men, that can, I think that can be promoted out of the mouths of our representatives. It should be because the people should have that. But sadly, here's the, here's the, the, the reality. We had Kerry Gordon on, who produced the Enemies Within the, the Church video. We had him on about two weeks ago. We were talking about this, how Marxists were infiltrating in the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, getting up in the upper echelons. We had G. Edward Griffin come on and talk about how they're putting them in the pulpits. Uh, the communists have targeted the pulpits. And so for many churches, the modern church, if you will, they are preaching a different gospel. They don't want to hear about the law. Every no, there is no application in real life for whatever they're preaching. It's just about well, just if you'll just trust you, you know, it's like the Billy Graham message. If you'll come, won't you come? And and but come to what? You know, do to do what? What is the kingdom? And and we are to be those who occupy the ground that Christ has obtained for us uh, in His work, both active and passive, and both both in His obedience uh, to God and His kingship as he rules and reigns from heaven. We're to be those who are not only praying uh, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but seeking to implement that uh, to the extent that we do curb sin, that we do uh, push back crime and corruption, that we call it out, that we expose it, and that we punish it, that we bring justice on it. I think that's the one thing that's been left off here uh, with everything is a lack of of duty in bringing justice. Now, let me ask you a question, and and I do want to hit some of the the character issues this morning, uh, because I think this is what I tell my audience that we should do, and I want to be faithful in doing that even with you uh, here in in what we're doing. There are two things I want to ask you about, because this will be at a D.C. level. Uh, Article 1, Section 1 says all legislative powers, that's lawmaking, law-writing powers, Herein granted shall be vested in the Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. Now, you just spoke about separation of powers. What we've seen just in the, in the whole uh, shot mandates, because they're not vaccines. We need, to, we need to be very clear about that. These shot va- uh, uh, mandates, these mass mandates coming out of D.C. 
or coming out of their fascist friends and <clears throat> corporations and businesses who are acting un-American as well. They're getting these from the executive branch, unconstitutional agencies that's been set up to quote-unquote enforce the law. Except, Michael, this is the, and this will be the second thing that I want to ask. When we go to Article 1, uh, Section 8, Clause 15, what we read there is the militia, that's the citizens, that's the people, are to be the law enforcers. We don't have an FBI, we don't have a CIA, we don't have an NSA, we don't have all these other unconstitutional agencies. It says the law enforcers are the people, the militia. And so the question I have to you with regard to this is, do you see this breach of the separation of powers in order to enforce unconstitutional things on the people to oppress them? And then two, do you back a restoration of the people to be their own law enforcers? Now, I'm not talking about them going out and being anarchist and, you know, Antifa types and destroying stuff. I'm talking about them being the, we, we use it tactical civics to reinstall the county common, uh, the grand jury in the county where the people have an input in there. It's not just done all by those in represent, you know, represent, re- representing the people, but the people have a, a way of bringing in evidence and starting cases up, and then as they get an indictment, they can issue that to the leader of the militia in their area. They can go enforce that indictment against the one who's done and hopefully eliminate some of this corruption that goes along with this organized government that wants to be lawless in our backyard. Can you speak to both of those issues? I know probably I'm throwing a lot on there, but can you speak to that a little bit? That's fine. So, so to, to level set, so your listening audience you know, knows where I'm coming from, I grew up uh, the son of a, a 40-year uh, law enforcement uh, guy. So I was one of those kids, right? I, I was a, a police officer's child, and I have a great respect uh, for the way that my father uh, policed the community and kept our community safe. And so uh, as, as far as militias are concerned, I think they're biblical in origin. Uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, if you recall, Tim, uh, when when Lot was stolen away and and Abram, you know, had his own out, posse, <laughs> you know, Abram had his his own posse. Uh, and, and not only were they, you know, a, a, a vicious and formidable fighting group, but they were a vicious and formidable um, in terms of their understanding of God's word, because Abram trained them very, very well, uh, both in the art of warfare and, and also in the art of understanding the word of God. So, you know, there is a place for that. And and I think, you know, so we've got to ask ourselves, how do we back into that uh, based on your f- previous comment about not wanting anarchy, right? So, so we've got to be very deliberate in how we get there. But I believe in my heart of hearts that law enforcement starts and ends with the local community platoons. Amen. Amen. And, and that's what that's what you know. Many great uh, political philosophers, you know, they use these word platoons, and so I'm going to use them. Platoons are community. It's all about you know the local community driving our nation. And if we can peel it all back, we can peel the federal back to the limited powers. We can pe- peel the state back to the 
you know, their role under the 10th Amendment, uh, but peel it back to we the people in the platoons in the community. So that's how I see law enforcement, you know, and, and thank you, Dad, you know, for showing me the way. But we had a safe community and 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 we grew, it, you know, it, it, it grew and grew and grew. And, and, and I think we had 30 some odd thousand people that grew from our little podunk town to, to uh, you know, pretty good sized place, but we were safe uh, because we knew the local deputies or the, you know, just the local uh, peacemakers would take care of us. So, uh, you know, I hope I've answered your question on the first part. The second part in terms of balance of powers, uh, in my mind, it's all constitutional workarounds. We don't have a balance of powers as, as envisioned by our framers. Uh, the executive branch issues executive orders. You know, that's not allowing the, 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 the legislative branch to do their job, right? I mean, the legislative branch, you know, has you know, all kinds of auxiliary, um, you know, people that they source information out to, uh, the, 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 the uh, judicial branch, they're, they're constantly uh, you know, kind of legislating from the bench, as it were. And so you've got three branches. Oh, and, and by the way, the executive branch, I mean, they got, they got more auxiliary organizations than Carter has little liver pills. Uh, <laughs> yes. that, is all, that is all unconstitutional. We've got to, we've got to simplify the roles. The executive uh, he he enforces the law of our. I mean, he he makes it happen, right? And then the legislative they create the laws, and the judicial they look at the constitution and say yay or nay. Is it constitutional or is it not? Now, and and I'm talking about not uh, a uh, living and breathing. Uh, you know, when we interpret the constitution and, and laws. We don't look at it from a living and breathing perspective. We look at it from an Antonin Scalia perspective. What is the original intent, right? And, and so we, we've got problems when it comes to separation. Uh, we've got to uh, get ourselves back in check. And we need people like me in Washington to sound the alarm. Uh, and, and I am going to work tirelessly. I will be an oddity in Washington. I can promise you that. Because I am having none uh, of this, uh, you know, of this tw- 2021 version of our Constitution. Uh, we, we've got to get back to, you know, the way our framers uh, uh, crafted and designed this, th- this miracle uh, from God. You know, Michael, one of the things with, with regard to that is this. Um, you know, we have a lot of, of guys who say that they'll, they want to do that. Now, obviously, they're not so open about their their the the biblical worldview that they have they'll call themselves a christian but they really don't you know get into okay well the bible applies like this like what you're the things you're talking about right now they they won't do that and i think that's one of the things that should be a red flag to anybody who is seeking to put somebody in office is that they actually know what it says and how it applies i think that's very important and that's going to go to something i'm going to ask you about in just a little bit but when now, you get if, yeah go ahead if i could get just really quick the reason that Christians do not uh, stand up and, and stand on the r- rooftops and, sh- and shout the alarm is because they have been conditioned. They're fearful 
they are willing to play in someone else's sandbox, right? With the, right, our politicians, and, and they're there are, I believe, they're a born again. I mean, not a lot, but there are born again people that go to Congress, and they they decide that they're going to play in the the political sandbox of the secularists, and and that's that's a problem right from the get go, right? But but what our Supreme Court has done, Tim, it, it's it's very very uh, concerning. When we had a secular bench, uh, they they made a decision. Uh, it was uh, Lemon versus Kurtzman, and I would encourage your audience to to look up that uh, that decision, study it, because what it is is circular reasoning. It's the catch twenty two. You know, it's the if I could say it this way, the creme de la creme of secular reasoning in our in our Supreme Court decisions. Because they said, A, laws must be secular in nature. B, laws must not inhibit or advance religion. And then finally, uh, it says uh, that laws must not entangle government in the affairs of religion. So basically what they just did in that decision years ago, decades ago, is that they established a legal precedent that any hint, if you get a whiff of, you know, things religious and and things, you know, that have a moral religious, you know, bent for us, it's, it's a Christian bent. They immediately say, Oh, no way, no way. You know, that law, you know, is unconstitutional. It doesn't follow legal precedents. Well, in my mind, uh, they are way off base. They, they've created this, the, you know, this circular reasoning catch twenty two, uh, where they say no to everything that is religious. They take the prayer out of public schools. They, you know, take the Ten Commandments, the Bible, out of public schools, uh, and that is a a real big problem. If you couple that decision with the decisions from the court about secular humanism, uh, I, I think those two are the, are the evil twins uh, in our government right now. So sorry, I, I just I had that thought and, and I, I really want people to go to Lemon versus Kurtzman and you can see how that decision opened the door, the floodgates, as it were, uh, to one secular decision after another. And every time, every decision that, you know, they use uh, Lemon versus Kurtzman as their reasoning, uh, it just further alienates uh, people of faith and, and, and uh, isolates Christianity into the four walls of a church building. Yeah, and this is why the church has to be, I hate to say it, political, but we, we have to be out. It, look, to exercise... To be able to freely exercise your religion means, for Christians, listen very carefully, it means you're engaged in discipling. And that doesn't mean you're having a little get-together at the house. That might be part of it. It means you're discipling the nations. It means you're out speaking the truth wherever you're going about whatever's going on. And it doesn't matter if people like it or not. You're teaching them. You're, you're, they're, they're becoming learners because I love what Ron Paul says. I've said this often. Nobody can unhear what you say. 
And so you yeah. should be able to go out in confidence believing that God says what he says. His word won't return void, but it goes out and does the purpose that it was sent to do. And so we have to be those who are purposefully, knowingly taking the word of God and bringing it to bear in all kinds of areas where God has spoken, which he has spoken to everything because Peter says he's given us everything for both life and for godliness. And so I believe that, and that's why I have no problem speaking. If I don't know something, it's just out of my ignorance, but it doesn't mean God hasn't spoken to it. And so we've got to be those people who do that. By the way, we're going to have Lemon versus Kurtzman up, so people will have a link up to, so people can check that out uh, of what you're talking about. And that ties in with what we heard from the Supreme Court the other day when they were looking at these mandates. I listened to the entire thing, Michael. Not one judge, not... Not one person, I think there was one guy who was speaking who was opposed to the mandates. Not one of them appealed to the Constitution. They were they made an appeal to an OSHA Act, which I think is unconstitutional. We didn't give the federal government any, uh, right. uh, any authority over our workforce. We just didn't give them that. And so what should have been at the heart of it was, wait a minute. This, this OSHA exists outside of the constitutional framework, and two— Congress cannot delegate its authority that we meant to remain with them. We didn't say you can pass this off. I mean, if they can give it to the executive branch, they can give it to the judicial branch, and we can let the judges just start making up law while they're on the bench, too. I mean, if you let it go one way, you can let it go the other. And so they didn't mention any of that stuff. They want to put down one, but they want to uphold the other. And in doing so, it's a violation of Article One, Section 1, that says all legislative authority is resides with who? Not the executive branch, but with Congress— and right. see, Michael, that's the thing. These guys want to call mandates, and then they want to refer to it as administrative law, just like they do when they violate the Fourth Amendment millions of times a day when you go to an airport. They call it administrative law. It's still law. You don't have authority to do it. And so these are the kinds of things that that drive me crazy, and I want representatives to go and to say, wait a minute. And to point to the Constitution, not give their, their rhetoric, but to point to the Constitution and say, wait a minute, this is unconstitutional. It needs to be stopped. We need to reverse this some way and, and beat that drum until people do it. If they got to use all five or ten minutes, whatever they speak at different things, just to beat that drum and say, this is unconstitutional. This is why. Quote the Constitution and, and expose the things are until people get in line there. Then I want to see somebody do that. So, so when... When, when the folks on, on this uh, listening in and watching, they go to Lemon versus Kurtzman, what they're going to realize is that the Supreme Court over the decades and centuries have put the Establishment Clause in our First Amendment, right, uh, and the Free Exercise Clause, they have put them at odds with one another. And, and, and that's not what the, our founders envisioned. They were supposed to be complementary of one another. So the, the the establishment clause was, you know, call it a, a negative instruction to, to the government. You know, you do not uh, establish a national church. I mean, we, we fought that in the in the war. We don't want a, an Anglican church. So that was a telling the government, here's what you don't do. But on the other side, the free exercise clause says here's what you can do. You can freely exercise your religious beliefs. There was no restriction, Tim, right, to, to that free exercise clause. There was a restriction 
for the government under the establishment clause because we told them don't establish a national uh, religion and some would argue thus um, showing partiality of, of one religion over another. <clears throat> However, uh, today the Supreme Court in part because of the Lemon versus Kurtzman they are uh, at odds with one another. There's tension between the establishment uh, clause and the free exercise clause. And that was never meant to be uh, in the original intent. They were to be compatible people in America, uh, both in private, and here's what I'm getting at, both in private and in public, both in the private sphere and the government sphere, we are to be the salt and light uh, of the earth, we are to redeem right. the time, and and th and that's that's the point. Uh, we've got to remember that those two are in fact compatible and not not against each other. Amen, amen. You know, Michael, there are, there are a couple of people in the uh, in the chat who are already telling me that we need to do overtime because they they like what you say, and at least one of them I know is in the state of South Carolina. The other one I think is in uh, uh, North Coming. Kakalaka, <laughs> but uh, in any case, uh, we'll see what we'll see how that goes. One of the things that I that I want to ask, you know, I, I've told people, and I, I really can't ask you uh, without it looking kind of weird, um, because you could always do an open book test on this. But I, I'm pretty sure people listening to you understand that you know these things anyway. But I've told them, I said, when a candidate comes and he's asking for your vote, I said you need to ask him two things. One, does he know the Ten Commandments? And the other one is, can he name the first ten amendments to the Bill of Rights? If he can't do, if he can't name those things right there, he probably doesn't have any grasp of the rest of the Constitution, which he's going to, uh, which he's asking for your vote to uphold on your behalf. So I, I think that's a pretty simple little thing. It's not requiring a whole lot. A man who is a man should know those things. It shouldn't be that difficult to answer. But one of the things that I've I've pointed the audience to is the issue of character. Because we've been told character doesn't – or we give lip service to character matters, but when it comes down down to it, it's, well, we've been given two dog bowl, bowls here. One's red and one's blue. One's a D and one's an R. And uh, and, and we got to choose between which dog food we're going to eat here. And I say, no, that's not at all how things work. There, you know, in our presidential election, what, in 2020, there was like 1,100 people running, and nobody knew about the other ones except for the two knuckleheads who ran. Okay? So – when when we talk about character matters, I say there's a principle there. First, it's the individual. We self-govern, so we, we deal with our character there as individuals as we grow. The second is as men, and I do believe men are to be leaders. I, I believe they're to be the representatives. I believe they're the ones to be in authority, not because I'm sexist, but because I believe that's the role God has given men. And when men fail to do that, then women take up the slack. God bless them when they have to do that. Don't get me wrong, but God says that is a judgment into the nation because the men have not taken their proper role and, and done what they're supposed to do. And then they do it in the church, and we see this, if I can go over here for just a second. This is First Timothy chapter 3. We see it both in the bishop, or some people refer to them as a pastor. It's really a gift of the pastor, but uh, a bishop uh, is, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, so obviously it's not a woman, uh, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, no greet, greedy, of filter, uh, filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth his own house well, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, 
How shall he take care of the church of God? Now, let me add to that. How is he going to represent a a state? How is he going to represent um, a, a group of states in a Congress or in the White House or on a bench? If he can't do it in his own house, he can't do it there either. And then... Uh, he is not to be a novice, so he can't be you know some guy who's just he's a slick looking guy. Uh, he he can't be a, a a new Christian in this in this issue. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. So people around him have seen his character. They've seen it on display. They've seen his family. They've seen how he's conducted himself in real life issues. So he has a good report with them, um, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And then it speaks to things that you've done uh, in the churches you've been in. Likewise must deacons, and deacons just means a servant, that's what they are, be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. It's very much like the, the bishop except for the teaching qualities. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved and let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. So both of these offices within the church, I think, get men ready to be used in a civil sphere too. That they, in fact, that's that's you couldn't be. A, you couldn't be, you couldn't hold public office in the states early on unless you were a Christian and you had a good report with your your church with your pastor uh, who would who would speak on your behalf and say yep we've seen this guy we, now can that be corrupted yes of course it can be corrupted but this is how things were and this is something that I stress over and over to Christians don't abandon. What God has set up as the principles here for those who are to represent you, because when you do, you fall into this trap of, well, we'll just have to vote for the lesser of two evils. Well, where does the Bible say we're to vote for any evil? We're to, we're to be putting godly men in office who are humble, yet they're, they're confident in what God has said to push that for the betterment of the people, not to oppress them, as you were talking about a minute ago you know, with the Anglican Church and stuff that we fought against. But see, we've, we've allowed... Because we haven't done that, we've allowed an establishment of religion, not just secular humanism. The whole COVID cult is a religion. Uh, you know, you're going to take your sacrament with your shot. Uh, you're going to put, you know, your your mask on your face. That's your sign of of uh, that's your baptism, if you will, uh, to follow uh, the high priestess of scientism, uh, which is which Paul says is falsely called. So, what what do you see? And I know I'm probably asking you a question that you're going, why are you asking me this question? I'm talking about these things. Well, I'm asking because this character should count for something, not just when people look at somebody like Michael LaPierre here in South Carolina, but when they look for somebody in California, when they look for somebody in Virginia. This is universal. This is not something just here in America, even around the world in different countries, when they look for somebody to represent them. Would you agree, or would there be something you would change in that? Yeah, I I think that that we have to... We have to ask the why. I mean, it, it really. I, I try to, as a as a strategist at a sixty five billion dollar company, and as a, a trained political scientist, I like to try to boil things down to to just simple things, right? And and why uh, are we experiencing the things that we're experiencing in government? And it really is a spiritual battle. Uh, it's good versus evil. Um, you know, the, uh, Satan and his minions are trying to encroach 
uh, the throne of God. Um, there is a right way to do things. There is a wrong way to do things. There is a there's absolute truth, uh, and then there's human truth, and, and that that's just a, a fact, right? And and we've got to figure out how do we live in harmony uh, with those that are unsaved. Uh, how do the people that have that know Jesus Christ as their Savior? How do we live in harmony? Well, what it isn't uh, is that Christians are passive in the sense is that we just jump in a foxhole and 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 let the the world go crazy. No, that that's that's not our biblical responsibility. No, we we've got to stand tall. Tim, you've mentioned this you know a bunch of times. We've got to let let our light shine and we've got to have an impact. Uh, we are the moral sanity uh, of our of our country. I mean, we are it. We we are the you know in the past, uh, our churches, our pastors, they are the last line of defense. Now, you know, hopefully our, our pastors you know, are standing there with a, with a rifle in their arms, but you know, you know what I mean, but we've, we've got to take our country back. We've got to reclaim America without fear. Uh, and what's, uh, you know, what, what's kind of interesting is that God has set a very high bar for us as believers. And, and you know, you, you talked about what leaders should represent. Uh, yes, leaders should be above reproach. Leaders should be experienced people that understand the political, that understand the spiritual. Uh, it can speak to either of those issues. Uh, leaders uh, should be married, you know, uh, to a woman, a woman, uh, in, in, in my estimation, um, you know, leaders, uh, that while they're not perfect, you should be able to look at a leader and say, and, and have your children and your grandchildren say, Hey, you know, he is a man of God. Uh, he is a leader. Uh, and he's somebody that uh, we can learn from, uh, understanding that we have an endemic sin nature here on this earth and are not perfect. But uh, the life, you know, my wife and I, we've been married for 37 years. Uh, we have uh, three children that all know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We have grandchildren uh, that are serving the Lord. And, and, and that's the kind of uh, legacy that I want to leave here Amen. on this earth is, uh, is to make sure uh, that we have had an impact, that, that the LaPierre family has had an impact in, in our local uh, communities and in, in our local platoons. So, uh, yeah, we, I, I, I'm right there with you, Tim. You know, the, there is a, uh, there's an integrity. Uh, there's a Michael, a can, can you hold, can you hold that thought just a second? Um, do you want to hang over for a little bit? Cause we're about to run out of time. Is that okay? Oh, sure. Okay. All right. Michael, uh, you guys can find uh, his website at lapierre4house.com. And no, he's not Ken Dwayne Lapierre. Some people were asking that. He's not. Uh, Lapierre, L-A-P-I-E-R-R-E, for F-O-R, house, H-O-S-E, dot com. You can read about him there. Going to have the links up to some of his books if any of you are interested in that as well. And uh, we're going to continue on the other side. So if you want to join us, sonsoflibertymedia.com, top of the page, before it's news.com top of the page there and we're going to continue on with michael for just a few minutes and then we're going to close out bradley be with you at three and tomorrow morning graham moore live from the uk talk to you then see you 
All right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And uh, Michael, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just wanted to get that out of the way uh, and, and give you an opportunity if you want to speak to some other things as well. Uh, there, is, there is a sense in which I think God is awakening his people. I, I do see that. It's slow but sure. And I think that's because of the faithful work of men of God, real men of God who are preaching the real gospel, uh, who are discipling, and uh, and I think that's what's doing it. Now, there are a lot of people, and boy, I really appreciate, Eric, I appreciate that that mention you meant uh, in the chat earlier. You know, why are, why are certain people focused on the mark of the beast, pin the tail on the Antichrist stuff, instead of the blessings of God? And I think that's what we've gotten off of, and part of the blessings of God is our repentance because God gives repentance. I know some people out there, you've been taught wrong, and you think that's something that we just work up. No, no, no. God grants repentance. Read the scriptures. That's what it says. He grants us repentance. He grants us faith. He grants us everything that we need that he requires of us to be in Christ. He's given it to us. He's the one who's done it, and we haven't done it ourselves. So I want to make sure that people understand that. But, you know, Michael, what are some of the things at the forefront of your mind, um, you know, when you speak to people, when you go out to ask for their vote, uh, what are some of the things that are at the forefront right now? Is it just the things that we've talked about, or are there some other specific issues that are right on your mind? Yeah, there are specific issues. Yeah, we we work really hard, Tim, at understanding District 4, the needs of the people of District 4, you know, where where their head's at. Yeah, we want to understand uh, what problems can we solve, and, and Time and again, and, and I really boil it down to, to three critical areas, security, prosperity, and stability, right? Security in the sense that, that we want to keep our families safe. You know, we want to be free from foreign invasion. Uh, we want to be uh, you know, secure in, in being able to live out our, our Bill of Rights. Um, and, and live out our unalienable rights. And, and then prosperity, not, not and, I'm, and I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about, you know, every, everyone, you know, needs to be rich. No, but, but you know, it, a way that we can continue to, to use our capitalist system and get better, provide for our families, and and if you know God allows, maybe we can put a little extra aside, right? So there's a there's an economic uh, uh, bent towards that. You know, we uh, we should strive to gaining property. I mean, property is a fundamental part of our government, and and so yeah, you've got the security and the safety aspect of it. You've got the prosperity aspect of it. But here's a big one right now, and you know, when we compare uh, the Biden, the last one is stability. Do we have stability in our government? Uh, the Federalist Papers, papers again, told us that they wanted a slow-moving government. We're not supposed to be hot or cold, and that's what we have. We've got this extreme radical element in our government uh, that, you know, is, is, you know, it's not about they're, them wanting to move slowly, what they want to do is they want to completely transform America. They want to completely change uh, the Constitution uh, to fit the culture. And so those three things 
really when I'm, when I'm listening to people, when we're doing focus groups and trying to understand the needs of district four is those are the three buckets that, that things fall into for me um, is the, the whole security safety factor, uh, the prosperity factor, uh, and then lastly, the stable. We, we just need a stable government um, and people that have level heads. And we don't have that right now, Tim. You know, we, we've got ra a radical Marxist element in our government. Uh, I, I did a juxtaposition. You'll find it interesting uh, in that last book, uh, The Elephant Brief, a juxtaposition with Marxism, you know, the Communist Manifesto. I did a deep dive uh, into what, you know, what that whole manuscript was about. Then I took the Secular Humanist Manifesto and compared those two. And then I took the word of God and said, all right, what does the word of God say on each one of those points? And I did it point by point. Amen. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a full chapter uh, in my last book. And, um, and, and I think that is an extremely valuable, because when you read that, when you read what the Marxists stand for, when you read what the secularists, secularists stand for, and you compare it against the Bible, you know, they're, they're, it's just an eye opener. Because bottom line is that the the, the Communist Manifesto and the Marxist is the political arm. Uh, the the secular humanists is the religious arm, as as defined by the Supreme Court. The mainstream media is the communication arm, uh, and then the public school system uh, and and our government really is the breeding ground. It's the it's the leadership arm. Uh, of of the Marxists and and the the secular humanists and and so they they've uh, uh, Satan and his minions have, have done a, a very good job of figuring this thing out and we're simply uh, uh, creating elbow room for ourselves uh, to make sure that we can live in peace and and not let not be overwhelmed uh, by the the satanic influences in America. Amen. Amen. Now we got a question in the chat and I think you kind of hit on this when we first started. Uh, but the question is, where do you stand on the mandates? I'm, I'm assuming be, when we started out, you were opposed to them. You were, you were pretty clear on that. But oh. I, I just wanted to ask in case I missed that. <laughs> I am dead set against uh, mandates. Oh, no. I mean, that you want to get me fired up real quick. Uh, you, you try to force me to, to take a shot. Uh, no, I, I am dead set against any kind of mandates. Well, not just the shot, uh, even the mask wearing. Oh, the and mask, same thing. Yeah, yeah, because because we've said here the Sons of Liberty. One, I, I'm amazed to see some of these doctors go along and say they've purified a virus, they've isolated it, when they haven't. Even, even when they explain to you how they do it, they haven't done that. They've mixed it in with all kinds of other things. The second thing is, we need to wear a mask, this is going to stop things. No, it doesn't, and the manufacturer says it doesn't stop any of that. Um, and so what we do when we go along with these things is we're pretending with them about a lie. And Christians are not to be about that. We're to be about the truth. And government has not been given the issue of health care. They have not been given the issue of science. That is not their role. Their role is to punish evildoers, Romans 13. And it's to praise those who do good, not to, not to punish them. Now those roles have been reversed. We're praising the evil ones. We're rewarding the evil ones. And we're punishing those who do good. I mean, look at what we've got with these guys. Even though I disagree with Trump, I, don't, I didn't support the guy or any of that other stuff. I wrote some good things about him when he did good things, but there were a lot of bad things, unconstitutional things he did 
selling out our sovereignty, um, just a ton of stuff there. But I agreed with the people that the election was stolen. They had the right to go address their government for grievances. And many of them are still in jail today. Some of one, At least one of them has died in jail. And why? Because they went and exercised a right to stand up there. And as far as going in, in the Capitol building, didn't those, didn't those people and their parents pay for that building? Yep, that's our building. No, they weren't the ones in there tearing things up. Those guys, who knows what they got? I don't think many of them got much of anything. But the point is, is this. We have... Uh, a, a government that has become corrupted, and the church ha- seems to have no discernment at all. Guy can just come up and hold up his Bible. I mean, we the church is at a place right now, Michael, to where a man can get on national television, reject the gospel that calls men to repentance and say, I have no need of repentance. And people go, oh, he is a Christian. He's a baby Christian. And when he's asked, what's your favorite Bible verse? He quotes something that isn't even in the Bible. I'm not mentioning any names here. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. But then Christians will get behind such a man and will even front for him that he's a Christian. And instead of having a man who has a working knowledge of the Bible, who can bring it to bear in other you know, places of different issues that come before him. And this leads me to a question that I have for you. If well, you were, if I could, if, yeah, go if ahead. I could just respond. Sure. Um, part of the issue, as I see it, Tim, is that Christians uh, have bought into the science of everything, right? So, so science has become uh, absolute truth, right? Science, uh, scientific absolutism has, has really taken over our country. Uh, and, and we just can't let that happen as a, and let me, let me explain as a, a strategist at a very large company, uh, we would put out hypothesis and we would put out, you know, theories, uh, the theories are more factual. The hypothesis is more gut, but what we, what we did as we, uh, and as a strategist, we would try to predict, you know, predict future events, we would always provide our executives with assumptions. So every, every time we would bring in a business case, we would say, okay, here's what we believe, but here are the assumptions that go along with why we believe what we believe. And so what we've, you know, in, in today's world, uh, we bought into this scientific socialist absolutism that has a long list of assumptions that we need to be attacking. We've got to to just go after the assumptions on their political and spiritual theories and say, hey, wait a minute, this assumption here, no, this doesn't line up with the word of God. This one here, this doesn't line up with the word of God. So, you know, in your listening audience, you know, when we think about science, always go back to what are the assumptions they're laying out that they want me to swallow hook, line, and sinker. And, and so we've got to continue over and over again, test the assumptions, test the assumptions. I mean, I, and I think that's what, you know, our uh, First Amendment and free speech does. It allows us uh, to speak up and, and de- have discussion and debate and test the assumptions and say no. You know, that's not right. 
Well, that's what real science does. It does test, uh, you know, a theory, a hypothesis that's there uh, to prove whether it's true or not. And so that's 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 what real science would do. We're not we're not even we're light years beyond that with what we've got going on. This is a this is a hocus pocus um, Wizard of Oz kind of thing that's going on. This is not this is not real science that's going on. So I totally agree. We've got a question in the chat. Um, well, actually, we got a couple. Um, one is, and I'm going to try to get to these guys. So be patient with me. Um, what do you think about stuffing bills with pork and? What about people serving in our government that are not American-born? Now, let me clarify something there, uh, Danielle, what you're asking. Uh, the, a representative and a senator can be naturalized, so they can come from somewhere else, but they have to be a naturalized citizen uh, in order to serve in that capacity. But I think what she means is people who are bureaucrats, they're appointed and stuff like this, or they come in, that they're not American citizens. Uh, what do you think about that and also the stuffing bills with pork? Yeah, I, I think we have to be very, very careful uh, not to let uh, non-citizens infiltrate uh, any aspect of our government. Um, yeah, we, no, I mean, we, we saw what happened uh, in the 1930s and the 1940s. We had a socialist as president. Uh, there was this, uh, uh, when he was at Yalta, Tim, and, and, I'm, and I guess I'm speaking to the, to the person that asked the question, um, negotiating with you know all of the Europeans and the Russians, uh, he had at his side. Uh, this is our president had at his side a communist as his right hand man. Uh, his name was Alger Hiss. Alger Hiss went to jail. Alger Hiss uh, was operating five different spy rings or numerous spy rings at the time. Uh, it was in the State Department. This is a historical fact. Right. So in the highest low levels of our government, uh, we had communists that have infiltrated, that were impacting, sitting at, at FDR's right hand, negotiating our national security interests. Fast forward to, uh, uh, and, and by the way, uh, Whitaker Chambers was the whistleblower that exposed all of the, the communist stuff happening. And I'm going to hit your point here in just a second. Fast forward 40 years, we had Jimmy Carter, another very lax, you know, social-minded, socialist-minded Democrat. Same thing happened. 1985 was called the year of the spy because of Jimmy Carter. Ronald Reagan took it on, and we had three of the most notorious spies, you know, that that went to jail. We we caught them, uh, and they did more damage you know, probably 20 times more damage than uh, anything that Alger Hiss ever done. Well, let's fast forward from the 1980s, another 40 years. We got 40-year increments here. Uh, we have the Joe Biden administration. Do you think for a second that there are not people in Joe Biden's administration that are passing state secrets, that are illegally conducting espionage, and that are illegally uh, conducting subversive activity. Uh, I think you would be very naive. So to get back to your question, should we allow non-citizens to be in our government based on the historical perspective of communists and other people in our government uh, you know, just doing this illegal activity? Absolutely not. We've got to be very, very careful uh, about that. 
the other question, Tim, uh, what, what was the second half of that? The stuffing of pork in the bills, um, no, especially no, no. unconstitutional spending. No, 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 no. We 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 strip it back to a a normal uh, budget process, uh, and 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 you know this, this um, uh, these ominous b- bills and these reconciliation bills. Uh, anything, any extra pork uh, that's really just there to to buy off, you know, uh, legislators uh, is not needed. Let's peel it back. Let's stick to the to the fundamentals of our budgetary process, uh, and um, and and let's you know vote up and down, you know, on the budget, you know, as as proposed. Uh, and and by the way, uh, I am a a big believer in a in a balanced budget. Right? I mean. Uh, what we have, I mean, and we, we could spend days on this topic, but uh, 30 plus trillion dollars in debt, uh, everything free. Uh, we, we have saturated our society with M1 money supply. Uh, we, we've just blown probably $6 trillion. Uh, and, and people, I mean, $6 trillion, we can't get our arms around that. $6 trillion means unlimited spending. There is no, you know, six trillion in my mind is not a finite number. They just opened the checkbooks and said, hey, you know, we're a socialist engine now. We're just going to spend as much money as we want. And that is not America. That's dead wrong. Yep, that's exactly right. And, you know, I was I was watching a film the other night uh, while I was finishing up my work and stuff. And it was kind of interesting. This was back when Bill Clinton was president and, and they were referencing that. And they said, oh, to construct this thing, it's going to be the largest expenditure in in U.S. history. And it was a, it was like a third of a trillion dollars. <laughs> and I was like. Boy, that is behind the times quite a bit. But I think, and by the way, there's some stuff going on because uh, some people are starting to get up in my house. But the, so if you guys hear all that stuff, that's what that is. Okay, so apologize for that. It'll be over in a second. They run that little bullet to make stuff. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, uh, with that said, one of the questions that I that I really have is I know that if a if a representative goes to D.C., <clears throat> one, I got to tell you, Michael. That's got to be either the it's got to either be God or the devil putting it in your heart to want to go do it because there is no way I'd want to be in that place. I don't I don't even really want to go see the stuff up there. I just you know maybe some historical value, but I have no desire to go to Washington. Just none. But the question I have is when you get there, knowing how things are done, you're going to have to surround yourself with people. Do you have people already? that you've maybe covenanted with in your church or that you're friends with that you th- you think are biblical and constitutional men. They're, they're men of prayer. They're men who know the Word, and they know the Constitution, and they know how to apply these things. Are there men who are willing to go with you there to be staffers, to re- help you read through bills and see how things do? Because I think that's very important because I'm understanding that a lot of men go there, and they just get staffers given to them. Um, so they they really haven't thought any of that through. Have you already worked out something for that? When you should you be elected? Yes, and the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Uh, I, I've got uh, people that will will surround me in Washington D.C. that are not only political scholars, uh, but but they are also Bible scholars uh, and have an understanding uh, of the spiritual realm. If you're going to be an effective leader. And uh, and and do something for the cause of Christ. You've got to surround yourself with 
really, really good people. But in terms of, of the call uh, to this office, uh, there, there's a couple of things that I, that I look at, Tim, is has God prepared me uh, for this office? So uh, start off, uh, grew up really, really poor, periods of welfare, um, and and then you know I get into a, a, one of the premier schools in, in all the world, um, and and then I ended up getting an MBA and playing professional baseball and and rising through the ranks of the corporate world and, and leading literally thousands of people. Uh, so so I believe that God. So the, then the next question uh, is. Uh, has he given me the political will, the desire uh, to lead in that capacity? And the answer again is yes. And and none of this. And, and please understand, you know, your, your listening audience. I I didn't have a plan uh, ten years ago that I wanted to be uh, a House uh, member or a senator. Uh, God has miraculously uh, just given me the insight and the depth of of you know insight into these matters, uh, and he's given me this desire. It, it is not a, a natural a phenomenon. It, it's a God-given phenomenon, uh, and the gifts that he's given me, I think, have, Tim, have, have prepared me for this office. Amen. Amen. All right, let me let me address something. Uh, yeah, the natural-born citizen issue, that applies to the president. Uh, you can read that over in uh, Article 3, I believe it is. And uh, but for for representatives and senators, just let me let me give this just so people understand. Article one, section two says no person shall be a representative who shall not have attained to the age of 25 years. So they got to be 25 years old to be in the con- in, in the House and been seven years a citizen. In other words, this can apply to somebody who's come from another country who has become a citizen. They don't have to be natural born, but they do have to be naturalized as a citizen. So that is in the Constitution, who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state in which they in which he shall be chosen. And then when we get to Section 3, we read about senators. And senators have a little different um, uh, qualification than the House representatives. Uh, section 3 of Article 2, or Article 1, says, No person shall be a senator who shall not have attained to the age of 30. So not 25, but now 30, and been nine years, not seven years, nine years a citizen of the United States, and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state for which he shall be chosen. Just just to be clear, but the natural-born citizen, that applies to the president and the president alone. You can be a naturalized citizen and be a senator and be uh, or be a uh, House representative. So just so we're clear on that, of the distinctions of those kinds of things, uh, of how they're laid out. Now, Michael, one of the things that uh, I'm, I'm going to end on a passage of Scripture out of Psalm chapter 9, but let's go ahead and wrap things up. If there is a if there is an appeal to people in District 4 of South Carolina to why they should choose Michael LaPierre over William Timmons or any other person who's running for that office to represent them, what would you say, Would how would you tell people, look, you need to elect me because I want to represent you, fill in the blank. Yeah. I want to represent you because I have the experience uh, and then I have a history uh, of providing results. Um, I'm a godly man uh, who has the experience and the history of providing results. Uh, God has allowed me to uh, do some phenomenal things in in the intellectual space, 
uh, educational space, uh, in the in the professional athletics ranks. Um, you know, got to play pro, pro ball. That's where I came to know Christ as my savior. And then when I got into the corporate world, uh, the same thing. It just had a had a lot of results. And you would expect uh, the same thing to happen uh, when I'm a congressman. Uh, but then when I, I you know, from a political perspective, Tim, I say to myself, you know, as a politician, will I uh, caucus with the House Freedom Caucus in Washington, who are more of the conservative members of the House? Uh, yes, I will. My opponent, William Timmons, will not uh, join the House Freedom Caucus, uh, which is the most conservative caucus, because he's just plain old not conservative. Uh, the next thing you, you need to look at is ask a question, will, would I ever aggressively campaign for Senator Lindsey Graham? And um, I know your, your, your audience is probably laughing. No, emphatically, no, I will never campaign for Lindsey Graham. Uh, my opponent, William Timmons, aggressively campaigned for William Timmons in 2020. Uh, you can go to YouTube and watch the videos. Uh, then lastly, uh, my uh, opponent, uh, when I met with him face-to-face -face about three weeks before I decided to run, uh, we were talking about the infrastructure bill, and I want to make a, a give, give a quote. William Timmons said, I like the infrastructure bill because it creates jobs. And when he said that, I about <laughs> fell off the chair, and I took him on, and I said, well, wait a minute. You like the infrastructure bill because it creates the Marxist socialist Green New Deal jobs. That's right. Come on. Uh, taking taking those kind of jobs away from the South Carolina manufacturers. And he he got real quiet. Uh, so, uh, you know, th there's a reason that I'm running. Uh, William Timmons is a Lindsey Graham protege and a Lindsey Graham clone. Uh, I am a man that has both political and spiritual discernment. And I think I'm going to be a very effective congressman. Amen. Well, I, I, you know, I like to hear that. I like to hear this called out for what it is. Government does not create jobs. They don't. People mm -hmm. could say, well, there's lots of government employees. Yeah, but they're suckers. They don't produce something back into the society. They work for us. They're, mm -hmm. they're not producers. They really aren't. I don't care what anybody says. They're not producers. They suck off the people. And, 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 and therefore, they can't they don't create jobs and all this stuff as though they do that is a marxist foundation when you start at the economy if you've got somebody that comes to you unlike michael has done here and look the sons of liberty don't endorse people but we but we we bring all kinds of people on at times you guys have seen that and one of the things is is that michael's foundation is the word of god the law justice you've heard that you've heard that on here a Marxist foundation, every single one of them, I don't care if they're wearing an R on their jersey or a D, is always, it's the economy, stupid. we got to build jobs. we got to build the economy. That's Marxist. That's not godliness. That's Marxist. God, Jesus says you'll serve God or what? That economy stuff, that money stuff. That's what you're going to, you're going to love one or you're going to hate the other. So the question to Americans is this, and to American Christians especially, do you love God or do you love money? Who are you going to be voting for? Now, Michael can't represent you if you're out in California or Virginia or wherever. That's true. But I think he gives you an example. And again, Michael, you know, I struggle with this because I've been inundated with the term to leadership. But 
an example. The Bible uses the term examples, not necessarily leadership, because it even talks about bishops and deacons. They don't lord it over the people. So they're not leaders in terms of that, but they are examples to follow. And I think people would be wise to put up the godliest leaders. I mean, they know they're not perfect. Everybody knows that. I hope everybody gets that, okay? But they are those who are striving to follow after the perfect one. That's the point. What is the direction of their life? Yeah, can they fall? Can they make a mistake? This, that, and the other? Can they sin? Yes. But do they get back up? Do they keep repenting? Do they keep following after the perfect one? That's the issue. Now, with that said, I think you've answered the things that we've got at. I want to I kind of end with this. Uh, this comes from uh, Psalm chapter 9. And if people un- would understand where we're at with things, they would understand what the passage is saying. Because we point out God's judgment in Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26. We are in that, folks. We're not waiting to get in it. We are in it. So what's the way out? Well, let's read from Psalm chapter 8, or excuse me, Psalm chapter 9, verse 9. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of troubles, and they that know thy name will put thy trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Are you seeking him, folks? Or are you just kind of saying, well, I'm a Christian, taking his name in vain? You know, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. That's part of the commandment, too. Sing praises to the Lord, which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. We've forgotten what God has done in our history, and we haven't passed it on. Psalm uh, 78, we haven't passed it on to our children. We haven't communicated those things. So they forget God because we've forgotten God, and God says if we do that, he'll forget our children, right? That's a, that's a pretty frightening thing. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by what? His grace and goodness and love? Nope. By the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Hegayan Selah. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all nations that forget God, for the needy shall not always be forgotten, the expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not let not man prevail, let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Amen. Let our nation know that we are nothing but men. We are dust. But let me tell you something, folks. We're going to need men to stand and be counted. And they're going to have, you know, the old country song. Aaron, what was the guy's name? You got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything, good deal. We're not going to stand for something. We need to stand for the principles that our country was founded, and I'm talking about long before the Constitution. I'm talking about when our state laws were written, and they were codified with the Word of God and the law of God. We've got to stand for that, specifically. If you're standing for anything else, it's going to crumble. It's going to fall. It is. And we're seeing it. We've seen it for 170 years, at least in this country. We've seen that decay that has happened as Marxism has come in from uh, the Lincoln administration on. 
We have seen that. And the question I have for our friends out there who are listening is, are you going to just sit here and keep taking it? Keep voting for the lesser of two evils that the Mockingbird media and the two-party system, which your founding fathers said was a great evil, to conduct your thinking and your voting? Is that what you're going to keep doing? Because you're going to keep getting the same thing. Or are you going to start looking at the character of the man who's, who's looking to represent you and really question him and, in some cases, maybe grill him on to whether or not he really believes what he's saying? Get his thoughts out of his head. Get interviews like this one where you give the guy some time, not a two-minute soundbite. Give the guy some time to explain his thinking. And when you see that, you'll see whether or not he really believes it or whether he doesn't. Michael, thank you so much. Michael contacted me yesterday, and uh, I told him, I said, well, let's let's have you on. I, you know, Graham moved up, and we're going to pre-record in the afternoon. Come on in the morning. He was more than willing to come on and got up early with us. Michael, we appreciate you. If you want to check out more about Michael, head over to his site, LaPierreForHouse.com, LaPierreForHouse.com, and I'll also include our previous interview when he was running for Senate against Lindsey Graham a couple of years ago. You can check that out as well, and uh, don't miss Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. Michael, I'll say goodbye to you off air. Uh, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You'll also catch him on BeforeIt'sNews.com as well as the other ones, DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty, Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, and also Roku. He'll be on at 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, Lord willing, and then we'll be back with you in the morning. Hopefully, I'll get this Graham Moore uh, with the English constitutionalists and what they're doing over there in England against the raging tyranny that is light years ahead of what we're having now. But they are seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. We'll talk to you then. See you.